Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. What's up, you motherfuckers? Welcome to the vainly titled Danny Palmer Show. How long can I play a Gene Autry song before I get shut down off of Spotify permanently for good? You fucking pirate. Gene. Welcome to the Fun Friday Pod. I've been down in Texas for like five days down there in Austin, Texas. So the first, this is the first, you know, like up to date pod I've done in like a week and a half. So welcome. Thank you for bearing with me, dude. I guess that's what happens when you name a podcast after yourself and you go on vacation. You have to fucking plan ahead with the issues, the issues, the episodes. Fuck, Danny. Dude, I need to get like a fucking. No, I don't want to get a co host. If I get a co host, it's going to be too much of a pain in the ass to coordinate and plan and shit. I'm just going to keep it like it is. Although sometimes I do think, like, maybe I should just do one pod a week and alternate an interview one Wednesday and then a like fun Friday pod the next Wednesday. But the fun Friday pod has been here since the beginning. When it was space, what the fuck, dude? Me and Zach released it on Fridays because we were idiots. I don't think Friday's the best day. Who fucking knows, dude? Dude. Anyway, I fly down to Austin uh, last Friday. I got a Newark airport. I'm walking around, you know, listening to my headphones, just being chill, you know? I cause any problems just being a good person besides not wearing a mask the entire time. <laughs> I see this girl on the floor. She's probably like seven or eight years old. And she's got a t-shirt on. It says, spoiler alert, I'm autistic. And I'm just thinking... I, there's nothing wrong with being autistic, obviously, but like, is, is was that her choice at the age of seven or eight to just announce that to the world via a t-shirt? Like something tells me her parents made that decision for her. Like if I was eight years old, if I had any sort of like, I don't know, condition, is that, is the condition, right? Is that fair? Oh God. Oh God. I'm going to get canceled. I don't know. I just don't think it's fair for parents to be advertising something on that personal level of a nature on their kid's shirt. And I guess what is the counter argument to that? Well, if you know she's autistic when you meet her, then you'll treat her in a certain way or something. You know what I just realized? I thought I had a really good point to make. And instead, it turns out I'm an idiot, probably offending like 60% of the population. So, all right, I'm just going to delete that. No, I'm not because it counts as content. I don't know. I mean, if you listen to this pod and, and, and fill me in and for me, I'd like to learn. I like to learn. Learning is fun. Learning is my favorite thing to do. All right, so we get down there to Austin, Texas. My buddy has this like sick lake house. He's so nice, so kind of like let us stay there and we party. There was like full on, you know, like boat parties like every single day. It was crazy. And then one day, if you if you if you've listened to this podcast the whole time, I used to have a co-host, Zach McGovern, and when we called it Space, what the fuck, dude? And then me and Zach couldn't get along. But here's what you need to know about Zach, even if you don't know him. He needs constant stimulation, constant novel stimulation. And we're at this fucking amazing lake house in Austin, Texas, and that's not sufficient for him. He needs further entertainment beyond that. So there's this one day, and it was like like getting dusk. It was like 6 p.m., and one of my friend's friends had a hydrofoil. You know those things? It looks like a surfboard, but it like lifts out of the water altogether, and it's just like one person riding around the fucking water on this thing. And... This other dude was like, hey, you guys want to learn how to hydrofoil? And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. So I did that. Zach left the house because he wanted to get to a gay bar downtown at 7.30 p.m. Mind you, Zach isn't gay. I'm like, what? You'd rather go to a gay bar just so that you can have like external stimulation beyond this party house? 
you, you can't wait to go downtown until like I don't know dark. <laughs> fucking idiot. So I learned how to hydrofoil, dude. I fucking did it. Like I, apparently I broke it, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't like stand up all. I guess I didn't really go do it. I did part of it. <laughs> I got up on my knees on this board, and then I apparently there's a like a trigger thing that you wrap around your wrist, and then you have to like press it to make the board go. And I didn't realize you weren't supposed to let that thing go underwater. I mean, I don't know. We were in the water, but I didn't realize that. And then it like shorted out. But I did ride around on my knees. It, I, but that just blows my mind. That's, it doesn't matter what, even what kind of bar. Zach turned down the chance to do a novel activity for free to just go to a bar like he does every other night of his life. It's like, dude, learn how to prioritize, bro. So then, you know, they got the like famous bats that congregate under the Congress Avenue Bridge. There's like a million and a half of them, I think. I don't know. It's, it's just a large amount. It doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? If I say 500,000 or a million, is that going to like, either way, is that going to influence the image you have in your head of a lot of bats? <laughs> I doubt it, dude. But I was reading about these bats. They, every night at dusk or, you know, I don't know, whenever, whenever they're, they're there and they come up from Mexico, whenever they've emigrated to Austin and they stand on this bridge during the day, when it gets to be dusk, they take off. And so I was like, well, where do they go? Like, I assume they don't all don't stay in a flock of bats and they don't, they all split up. They go find food, and I guess they return the next morning. But one sick thing about these bats, dude, they'll go down to the river, and they haven't, they're parched because they haven't drank anything all day because they're like sleeping under this bridge. And so they'll skim along the surface of the Colorado River and open their lower jaw and just scoop water into their jaws so that they can get something to drink. Dude, that's sick. That doesn't sound like a bad life. I mean, I'd much rather be a person than a bat. But if I was a bat every night around dusk, I'd be like, dude, I'm about to skim and get some fucking water, bro. How great is it to have time on vacation to just not do anything and just like look up stuff you wouldn't normally look up? Like I was just like chilling. And then I was like, how many fucking singers under the age of 18 have made the top of the charts? So then I read this article. It was really interesting. Okay. In the long history of the Billboard 200 or before that, there were albums that date back to the 40s in one form of another. There really haven't been a lot of artists that topped the chart under the age of 18. In fact, going back as far as the 1940s, only 11 solo artists have topped Billboard's primary album chart. Okay, I'm going to go through these 11. I'm not going to go into painful detail on each one, but Billie Eilish hit it at the age of 17 in 2019 with her debut album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Shawn Mendes hit it. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I don't really know who Shawn Mendes is, but his debut, Handwritten, I uh, was at the top of the chart for a week in April 2015 when he was just 16. He didn't sound that great to me. I don't know. Sorry. I, I guess I'll listen to it. I bet, I bet I won't like it. Justin Bieber hit it. He had Under the Mistletoe when he was 17. That hit the top slot in the Billboard 200 in 2011. And he also did it twice. He did it another time before he turned 18. My World 2.0 in 2010 hit number one when he was 16. That's crazy. Dude, can you imagine hitting number one in 2010 when you were 16 years old? How, I mean, how is that guy still alive? I would have been doing some fucking speedballs in a Maserati going down fucking Rodeo Drive and flip my car when I was like 17. If I hit number one at 16, kudos him for even just fucking staying alive, dude. Staying alive. Demi Lovato, her second album, Here We Go Again, hit number one when she was 16 in 20, 2009. That's sick. Miley Cyrus. I feel like, I mean, obviously Miley is a legend, but like, you know. She was on Hannah Montana. And that, in fact, I think like four of the singers that broke that hit number one were Disney singers. Because if you have that initial launch platform, then you can parlay that into broader success. But if you don't have that, it's even more impressive. You know, 
How about Hillary Duff, dude? Cause I'm all about it's all about me and I'm all about you. When I walk down to Black Hat for the our Friday night shows, I love putting that on my headphones and I'm a little bit high. And it's just a very good vibe. I love her. She's she's great. She was also on uh Disney before Miley Cyrus, apparently. She went number one when she was fifteen with Metamorphosis, her debut album in two thousand and three. And of course, my girl, Britney Spears. Do you know what year? Baby One More Time hit number one. Do you know? She was 17. Take a guess. You're correct. 1999. Leanne Rimes, You Let Up My Life, inspirational songs. I don't really know much about Leanne Rimes, to be honest with you. Unchained Melody, the early years. What she Did, did she cover the fucking Righteous Brothers? Don't know. I'm not going to look at it. Tiffany, I think we're alone now. 1988 and okay this is ricky nelson was a uh rock and roll pioneer he hit number one in 1958 with his debut album ricky he was only 17 oh see this guy was on tv too like the pre-disney channel he was one of the sons on tv's immensely popular sitcom the adventures of ozzy and harriet no idea what that is i mean i've heard of it but you know fuck you i'm not that old dude relax i didn't watch it (laughs) but this one is one that blows my mind the most 25 years before tiffany did her number one uh stevie wonder he was known as little stevie wonder back in the day but still hailed as a genius when he was 12 years fucking old dude he topped the chart in 1963 with recorded live the 12 year old genius despite the title he was actually 13 when the album hit number one so when i was down there in austin i was like well, i don't know i've never heard this fucking 12 year old genius album so i played it it's very good dude fuck i have a joke about dua lipa getting a standing ovation when she was doing her uh, middle school talent show in Kosovo. And, and then Stevie Wonder, he's just 13, topping the charts. God damn it, dude. Isn't that upsetting? I, I'm upset at the, at the talent of others. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a great album. You should check it out. All right, that part's done. Dude, I thought I had all these notes for my trip to Austin. In my head, I was, I was like, Danny, good job. Even though you're on vacation, you're still capturing... A lot of really good content that you can read on your fun Friday pod when you get back. And then it turns out, didn't have a lot of captured information. But that's good, though. That means I was fucking partying. Another list I looked up when I was down there. uh, What are the top 20 liquor brands sold in the United States? I'm not going to go through all 20. But basically, the list, it's a lot of vodka and a lot of whiskey and uh, bourbon. But that's kind of annoying to me. There's no gins in the mix, dude. And actually, it's a lot more whiskey and brandy and cognac than vodka, which I thought was kind of interesting. All right, top 10 is... Number 10 is Svetka. Number 9 is Jack Daniels. Okay, that makes sense. Then 8, Captain Morgan also makes sense. New Amsterdam vodka is more popular than Captain Morgan. You know why that is? It's just because chicks like to order like vodka cranberries and vodka sodas. Like, can I get a... Can I get a New Amsterdam vodka and soda, please? Danny, don't talk like that. That's disrespectful. No, it's not. It's fine. You need to be nice. Hey, my girlfriend's still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Why didn't you invite me to Austin, you prick? I'm sorry, Tuts. I just needed to be by myself. <laughs> sorry I said Tuts. It's fun to say. Uh, Fireball is number six. That's interesting. Fireball is all the way up to number six. Jim Beam. I almost said Jim Brown. <laughs> and then the Browns running back has a spirit. Jim Beam's number five. Then, can you guess these in your head, dude? I, I hate that. Like, There's no fucking gin in the top 20. Tangeray should be like number five. Number four is Bacardi Rum. Number three is Crown Royal. Number two is Smirnoff Vodka. I bet they have a, like a broader distribution. And number one is also a vodka, 
Which one do you think it is? Yep, Tito's. Dude, how badass. This was this list is from 2020, but I bet it's not that dissimilar today. Tito's just crushing. Wasn't Tito's not even a brand? I'm not going to look this up. Let's move on to the next topic. All right, on to something more serious. Last week, I think I spent a good amount of time talking about the disgusting Southern Baptist Convention and their pedophile, their hundreds and hundreds of pedophile, quote unquote, fucking leaders, fucking pedophile losers that just got away with it for decades because the leaders covered it up just like the fucking Catholics did, dude. So then, you know, this kind of information is deeply upsetting. So I love reading David Rooks because he always has some like perspective and like wisdom and kind of depth to, you know, throw light on the on the subject. And he talked about this, like this one uh, official, quote unquote, wanted to break her down, like break down one of the victims, like psychologically so she wouldn't tell on them. It's like, what the fuck, dude? So this is what David Rooks, the uh, New York Times columnist. Don't worry. He's conservative. It's, it's fine. Relax. Uh, this is what he had to say about this whole situation. He goes, those leaders' stated beliefs and sacred creeds had zero effect on their actual behavior. Just as similar creeds and beliefs had zero effect on the Catholic bishops who behaved in much the same way when they learned of abuses decades ago. How can there be such a chasm between what people, quote unquote, believe and what they do? Don't our beliefs matter? You would think, right? If you believe something, then your actions follow it. No. The fact is, moral behavior doesn't start with having the right beliefs. Moral behavior starts with an act, the act of seeing the full humanity of other people. Moral behavior is not about having the right intellectual concepts in your head. It's about seeing other people with the eyes of the heart, seeing them in their full experience, suffering with their full suffering, walking with them on their path. Morality starts with the quality of attention we cast upon another. Oh, I love that, dude. I love that. Because I, I, I noticed that shit in the church growing up. It's like, oh, I'm a preacher and I'm telling you all this stuff. And and I read this principle in a book and I want you to follow it. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord is laid down upon my heart today. And it's like, dude, you have a microphone. There's a spotlight on you. You're speaking in these grandiose terms. Every eyes and every eye in the fucking room is like gazing up upon you. Like it, you can tell that there's this like ego trip power to the whole thing too. Like Joel Osteen, great example. It's like, are you really adhering to these doctrines? Are you just using them as a leverage, a means to get power? And and what are you actually doing in your actions? Covering up fucking gross shit, you fucking assholes. Boo, down the Southern Baptist Convention. Break it up. You know, that's not really your forte. It's attacking churches. Maybe you should just get back to reading lists of singers, you douchebag. Sweetie, you're so mean to me. You deserve it. Fine. Maybe you're right. Oh, the other note I wrote down about that is that they use religion as a cover for ego expansion. That was my idea, okay? I thought of that shit. <laughs> Anyways, obviously the Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, verdict came out. But Johnny Depp got like $15 million. She got like $2 million. But dude... I mean, obviously, both sides are like maniacs <laughs> at some point, you know? So this is one of the quotes that I read that I was like, I can't believe I read this. It said, on Wednesday, one of the texts that Mr. Depp was confronted with included his saying of Mr. Miss Heard in 2016. This is his text. I have no mercy, no fear, and not an ounce of emotion or what I once thought was love for this gold digging, low level, dime a dozen, mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, Flappy fish market. Wow, that is a very angry text. I mean, obviously, that's a terrible thing to say about anybody on the planet. 
And it just makes it like, dude, think about like when you were the, the most angry, your most low point, and you were texting somebody and you were like venting. If that text was like in every newspaper around the globe, like how would you feel about that? You know what I mean? Ooh boy. Ooh boy. Time to delete all of your texts. Okay. And now to end the fun Friday pod, I've got two quotes from my favorite uh, newsletter, the Farnham Street newsletter, every Sunday. This first one is from Shane Parrish, who writes the, uh, the writes the blog. The person who carefully designs their daily routine goes further than the person that negotiates with themselves every day. The most successful people I know follow a routine to ensure the most important projects get the time they need. See, people make fun of me. So, oh, Danny, you're so regimented. Oh, why? Because I work and I, I go to the gym and I work out and then I try to do comedy and I do my podcast. That means I'm regimented. That means I'm a psycho. No, I'm fucking structured for a reason. <laughs> All right, Danny, don't be defensive. Back to Shane. A successful and busy friend decided to write a book not long ago. I asked him how he planned to do that, given all of his responsibilities at home in the office. He simply said, I get up at 5 a.m., make a coffee, and write from 5.30 to 7 a.m. every day. I've been doing it for, five, for nine days now, and I'll do it until the book is done. I knew right then he'd finish his book. Why? Because he designed part of his life to accomplish that goal. There are two parts to using this approach. First, you must design your life so the default is to do the work. Second, and equally important, you can't negotiate with yourself. One of the most valuable skills you can adopt in life is doing things when you don't feel like doing them. A lot of people get stuck negotiating with themselves. A little voice in their head says, I don't feel like doing this right now. Let's do it later. The minute you entertain that thought, it's over. Design the defaults and don't negotiate with yourself. Dude, I love that. I'm trying to think about that shit every day. And one thing I learned from uh, the newsletter the previous week is every day is a new 24 hours. No matter what happened in the past, like the past is still important, but it doesn't have to define your approach to today. So, I, you know, new 24 every day. I try to think about that every day. And now I want to think about that. This quote every day too. Don't negotiate with yourself. I don't know if I want to fucking do that. <laughs> like tonight, I'm like, I don't want to fucking record my podcast. I just want to watch the finals and chill. No, fuck that, Danny. Do the fucking work, you fucking boop. Bad word you can't say in 2022. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say uh, today, this is a quote from Pico Iyer and the artist stillness. And just, I, you know, obviously everybody loves vacation, but that the, the, the times of stillness that you have on vacations are priceless. You know, it's really important. Um, Pico says, as I came down from the mountain, I recalled how not many years ago, it was access to information and movement that seemed our greatest luxury. Nowadays, it's often freedom from information, the chance to sit still that feels like the ultimate prize. Stillness is not just an indulgence for those with enough resources. It's a necessity for anyone who wishes to gather less visible resources. Dude, cheers to gathering less visible resources, Jen. Have a fun weekend. Follow me on Instagram. No one ever does. Danny Palmer NYC. Maybe they do sometimes. I don't know. If you're a guy and you follow me on Instagram, I'm not going to follow you back unless I know who you are. You know what I mean? It's weird. If you're a chick, I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> uh, black cat les every friday nine o'clock thank you for listening this podcast comes out on wednesdays and fridays what are you supposed to do call to action give me five stars you fucking bricks is that a good one? Oh, that's being mean noted dude all right thanks you deep in the heart of new york city